you have an idea and you think that that idea is perfect because that idea exists in your head. And just like anything that's really close to your eyes, you can't see it well enough to see the problem. You're too close to it. You have to take it out of your head and you have to put it on the page. And now it's about a foot away from your face. Now you have some perspective and now you can see that your precious baby angel idea kind of sucks. You are now listening to Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing with your host, John Robinson IV. Here we smash walls, demolish writer's blocks, and learn how to harness the true power of storytelling. Let's get it cracking. Kelly C. DeConnick is a comic writer with notable works such as Pretty Deadly, Bitch Planet, Captain Marvel, and Wonder Woman Historia. On top of writing, she is a proud feminist and activist for intersectionality amongst women, and she started the Visible Woman hashtag on Twitter to highlight women artists to help them get work in the male-dominated comic book industry. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing podcast. I am your host, John Robinson the Fourth, and today I am on with Miss Kelly Sue DeConnick. What's going on? Hello, friends. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm super excited to talk about writing as usual. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of, I hope you're excited to talk about writing as well. Always. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of talking a, about writing is so much easier than writing. Let's right, exactly. This. Isn't it though? Like that's, yeah. that's very true. <laughs> yes. I find that in the writing, the writing chats that I do weekly. Uh, uh, yeah, like, it's so easy to go on there and do the writing chat for an hour, hour and a half, sometimes it go two hours. And then when it's time to sit down and write, I'm kind of like, oh man, all right. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's getting the right headspace. But, um, but yeah, no, again, uh, thanks for coming on. Um, like y- you've written a lot of, uh, books that I really like. Like, so I-, I was just telling you beforehand, uh, Bitch Plan is one of my favorite. Um, I didn't even Thank know what to you. think about it when I saw the title, <laughs> like without any context. Fair. Totally fair. <laughs> I was a little scared. I was like, uh, yeah. who wrote this book? And then I, when I saw it was your name, I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I, like it, uh, awesome book, awesome book. And then of course, um, uh, love the Captain Marvel stuff. Um, so like, you know, I, I mean, I, I think personally, it probably had a pretty big influence on this stuff in the film. And it's cool. Like, I really like with this age of like comic superhero stuff that um like you know like the, the the writers of the comics have such a big um influence on like these big like you know these big yeah. productions you know so that's i got to work cool. on the film did you know that right oh what did you work on um yeah i worked on both captain marvel and the new one the marvel so wait oh wait so you worked on so you were there working i didn't know you were at, there working on captain Marvel. that is awesome yeah that is um, awesome yeah, no, it was a, it was a really terrific experience. Um, That's pretty cool. In, in both cases, actually. Um, and I'm, I'm really psyched for the new one. Um, you're going to hear me pouring my coffee. <laughs> you're good. This is for your a- ASMR, AMRS, some, something. Yeah. People yeah. Who like what the a, sounds. Here's the coffee. Some combination of letters. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, okay. but no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Like, yeah. like, and I, and I, I mean, I just love, I love seeing that influence out there. I mean, like it's, I mean, I mean obviously the, you know, the, the movies come from somewhere, obviously, but yeah. it's just, it's just cool to like read the book and then later see the movie and then they reference things and, you know, the storylines and like, it's, it's great stuff. So, you know, that like in the Marvel universe in particular, 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I, that that is because Kevin Feige is <laughs> deeply and genuinely a comics guy. Right, right. He truly gets it. Uh, he doesn't apologize for it. He doesn't hold his nose. There's no part of him that's like embarrassed by comics. Exactly. Um, he 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 understands. And, and not just comics, but like the superhero genre, he understands the power right. of that. And so I, I, you know, I think that it's his vision for it that has mm-hmm. really made it what it is. And so effective. Yeah. I had a r- really tremendous experience um, on, on both films. And the second one is a, I, <laughs> I'm, I've signed all kinds of paperwork, but I will say it is a big swing Right, right. And I love that. Nice. Um, so very I'm nice. very excited to see if it. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, like, like we'll get so and, and I'll, I'll get to like the writing of the writing podcast at a moment. But I, I just got to say, like, one of the one of the things that's really cool, like I, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day about how like my daughters, you know, they watch the movie and they, they, they like any any superhero thing. The middle sure, daughter. Yeah. She likes, but she likes horror for God knows what reason at four years old. Like, I'm like, mm. what, why, why do you like horror? But anyways, <laughs> they like, they like all, they like all the superhero stuff, Wonder Woman, whatever. But my oldest daughter, the, the coolest thing, um, when we were in a the theater, I remember her saying, um, cause she likes Wonder Woman. She watched Wonder Woman and loves it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she saw Captain Marvel and she goes, oh man, she's strong. Right. You know, like, and it's kind of like, that was, it was like, cool. Yeah. She's strong. But then like when she watched Endgame and she saw Captain Marvel and she was and she said it again like she said oh they're strong but when she like did her thing where she like flew through the ship and all that stuff and yeah, yeah. came down and was messing everybody up she was like oh she's stronger than all of them yeah. <laughs> and so like 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 hearing that like you know like that, that that's like just so cool to me you know what I mean um yeah, and I'm like absolutely yeah I'm like, yeah, she's messing everybody up but um <laughs> but anyways um generally speaking uh in terms of in terms of uh writing like awesome characters whether it's taking characters that have been established in the past like captain marvel or writing brand new characters like the ones that are in bitch planet and then like forming these uh these themes like these really like these really palpable themes in your storytelling like i i love that kind of stuff i mean i usually like i usually start these off like asking about writing advice but like i feel like i want to ask about um, what you start with in storytelling, right? Usually, I mean, I know it can be different things, but do you yeah. think you start with characters? You think you start with themes? Uh, yeah. Um, so I keep a list of things I call sweater threads. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a, a list of starting places, right? It's a list of things I can pull on or scratch at or poke around with and mm-hmm. see if I can find how that sweater thread unravels to give me a story. Right. Um, yeah. I like that. And sometimes a sweater thread is an image. Sometimes it's a title. Sometimes it's a character or an idea or a question. A question's a really good sw- sweater thread. Mm-hmm. Um, also a uh, something I have really mixed feelings about something I feel really strongly about in two directions that are mm-hmm. opposing. That's a fantastic story. Yeah. Thread. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it, it's always something different mm-hmm. and, you know, I throw all of this stuff down on that list and it may or may not 
be something that ever comes to fruition, but, um, but that's what that is. And then I usually think I know what, you know, after a certain amount of development, I think I know what the story is and I think I know what it's about. Mm -hmm. And then I'm very often wrong. (laughs) Oh, Um, I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And Uh, that's interesting. I think there's a, um, I don't know if this is a Gaiman quote or if this is him quoting someone else, but mm -hmm. I heard it from him um, where he, he said, you never, you never learn how to write a book. You Mm -hmm. learn how to write the book you're writing. Oh yeah. And I think that, that that's true. I think each project kind of has to teach you what it is as you're going and you have to be willing to accept that your idea of what it was is Mm -hmm. wrong (laughs) yeah yeah do you feel that way about characters too um like do you feel like you 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 know how you meet people in real life you you get a kind of an image of them you you know then you get to know them over time or something like that do you feel like when you're writing characters in your stories that as you write them you're 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 meeting them like you're getting to know them a little bit better yeah absolutely and (laughs) i think it's interesting too when they surprise you and it's a it's a hard thing to talk about without sounding like a lunatic but um so the thing i am the least interested in is people's romantic lives that's not mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't it's not the kind of love story i'm interested in writing right mm-hmm. i'm i'm i don't know if this is my age or you know the fact that i've you know been happily married for almost 20 years and <laughs> and so it just it's not that that partnership or marriage is uninteresting to me it's just that it's um (laughs) it's drama free and i see that as a good thing at my age right so uh uh so as such it doesn't it doesn't make for very exciting stories right Right, so um um so i'm you know i remember what it was to to have Mm -hmm. a dramatic uh romantic life but I don't, I don't miss it. Um, <laughs> but that said, when I was writing Captain Marvel, I was like, oh, you know, we, we should introduce a love interest for her. I was like, oh, oh. oh. You know, so, um, so I re I had, I had an idea for what I wanted to do with the, the character of Frank, I think his name was, and I, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to make him her Lois Lane, right. I wanted to make him worthy of her in that, you know, he was a different kind of superhero. I had him as a a photojournalist, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, he was out there doing things and trying to make the world better and spread truth and, you know, all this stuff. And, and the idea being that, you know, just like she would be coming in to, to rescue him when he would get into trouble and things. Right. right. I, I, I fancied playing with that trope a little bit and see what I could do and, Mm -hmm. interesting and uh i was so into that idea and then when i got those two characters on the page there was no chemistry Uh, like (laughs) none she was not having it right um and it was just the funniest thing it was like no but on paper (laughs) you guys like this is this is great so right. good and carol was like mm, i'm not into it you know right, and right. <laughs> um and then uh and then i ended up 
writing her and Rhodey. And that was, it, it, it almost felt like, like her going, not this, that one, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it, it's kind yeah. of funny that like they, they tell you the characters, yeah, they, they speak to you as you're writing, yeah. like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, yeah. I, I, I actually, well, so Carol has her personality and then, you know, and then there's, you know, there's aspects that she's, she's kind of like, in a way you have a, a sort of a roadmap with her and then you still learn her along the way as you're writing her, uh, at yeah. least I'm, I'm assuming. And then yeah. uh, the other guy, uh, what did you say? Anything else, Frank? Uh, yeah. He was like brand new, but she still established like who he was and is like, I don't know who he is. Uh, I guess, according to Carol, who he is doesn't fit. <laughs> it's yeah. almost like you're a matchmaker. And Carol's like, nah, I'm not with that match. That was exactly it. And, and actually, <laughs> I didn't invent him. He was pre-existing. He was a pre-existing character that mm-hmm. I had pulled out from um, comics or hers for like the 70s, I think. Um, really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, and he was very, very 70s manly man. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, Carol, Carol was like, don't fix me up. Right, right, yeah. No, I, not, I know, I know, I know what you it. mean. I know what you mean, and I, I do feel like romance in a. In, so I'm not, I'm not the biggest romance fan. Like in terms of like romance movies or romance books, I, yeah. that's just not me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah. I'm not getting wrong. There's good stuff out there. I mean, the Notebook was good, was super emotional and stuff. Like you know, there's good stuff out there. But like, I like when there's like, uh, I, I do like relationships. But I like when like it, it has some purpose like in the story or like it's like, I don't know. It's like something about the relationship uh, is like uh, integrates with the plot in some way or with the with with the character's development in some way you know something so, something like i don't know i need i need the characters to support one another in, in a certain profound way that is is lending to telling the story you know yeah um, like there are people that i absolutely love and admire for whom romance comics are the greatest thing in the world and the thing that most needs to be reintroduced into the mainstream yeah, and yeah. bless them i <laughs> Go with God. I support you in your endeavor to make what makes you happy. Um, mm-hmm. But I am I am the worst possible choice. To <laughs> write any of those. No, I understand that. I understand that. But yeah, but yeah, when it comes to like, so when it comes to like, uh, uh, well, let, let me let me let me pivot slightly. So we're we're talking about characters and what they do. Let me mm-hmm. Pivot slightly to the to the left on on the character discussion and talk about. Um, how these characters are portrayed properly and that's in um i'm thinking about dialogue right so that's one of the things i noticed like so like carol has a lot of like like i want to say like maybe not i don't don't, i'm not sure how you describe her her words i don't know if it's witty i don't know if witty is the right word but it's like i don't know all the dialogue seems to fit really well like whenever she's like someone says something she, she she responds like like just in a way that fits well it's never dull it's always like live right <laughs> like and uh and i mean in the same thing in the same thing in uh in bitch planet like the way the characters respond especially especially when you have characters that are serving like a, a thematic uh kind of a symbolism or, or something like that especially right. in bitch planet um and they, and they say these lines and then the characters like uh, everybody has like the right line back to them um yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I noticed, uh, I, I remember seeing, I, I think I can't remember where I saw it online, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I saw something about you have worked, um, working on, um, like manga back in the day, like, like mm-hmm. translating, um, manga. Um, and, uh, I think, I, I, I think I saw a quote about, um, like, that's how the dialogue 
chops yeah. kind of, you know, got up there. Um, so like, what was that? How do you, how do you, th- can you elaborate on that a little bit? How, how do you think like the manga helped with the dialogue, the translations help? And then yeah. um, do you have any advice for like writing good dialogue? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so a couple things. So my background comes from theater training, right? I have a theater degree and, mm-hmm. um, and actors training. And I think for that reason, I come at everything from a very character-based perspective. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, plot has to grow from character. Um, right. I also think that comics executed well require tremendous discipline mm. because, um, because the basic unit of a comic book is the page and you, you know, most of these pamphlet comics or floppy comics or whatever you choose to call them staple comics um, <laughs> are, you know, 16 to 24 pages. It's not a lot of space to tell a story, right? especially not one that's going to be emotionally effective. Um, and even if you are just doing a segment of a story, the reader, especially at four bucks a pop, <laughs> needs to feel like they got a meal, right? right they yeah. need, to, even if it's just a part of a story, they need to feel like they got a beginning, middle, and end. They, they got a full ride out of mm-hmm. that 20, uh, 16 to 24 pages. So um, this requires a tremendous amount of discipline. You cannot waste a panel amusing yourself. Yep. Everything <laughs> that you put on the page has to either tell the reader something they have to know about character mm-hmm. or push the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Ideally, it does both. If it does neither, it doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. Um, very few of us ever make a perfect comic that doesn't have something that is there for some other reason, like, you know, we need to pull your eye down to the composition over here on the left. So we're going to add a line that we don't really need because we need you to look over here and we're afraid you're not going to do it because the composition of the page is for whatever reason, not strong enough to Mm. uh, um, make sure you're going to see this thing you need to see in order to understand what's happening. Um, You know, and then there are often times that we just can't resist a bit of joke that doesn't, (laughs) <laughs> really enrich the story in any way or right, you know like yeah and it's but you know comedy can be important comedy yeah. can be a very necessary part it can it can absolutely fulfill not just one but but both of those um mandates right, so right. it's it's not like a book has to be deadly serious to do those things but um but i think it's 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 key Nothing makes me angrier than reading a comic that I feel like has no discipline. Um, right. Yeah. That that I mean, unless it's somebody who's just starting out and they're they're just learning and then it's then it's different. But when it's somebody who I think has had the time to work on their craft and know better, um uh-huh. that uh yeah, that <laughs> I've 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 seen books where uh uh you know like like books by established people um and again i and i still love their writing and stuff like that but like yeah. what you were saying about the the some i have some personal cringe maybe it's also because since 
beginning writing comics myself, like there's certain things I've learned and read about and certain things I try to practice. And when I see like a specifically, there's a book where there's a lot of panels several times throughout the series. There's a character who just says the word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it'll be a whole panel with that character by himself saying, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, that's an entire panel. And he's, there's not, he just said, yeah, <laughs> like what? Yeah. And, and, and it's, and it happens. It's not even a profound. Yeah. It's just like a, he's yeah. just responding to the other person. I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, and, that, and there's, there's other things that happen too, that are like the, the, the reality of the industry. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, those books have to come out period. Right. And, um, and so sometimes you're reading an issue and you, and you can feel the writer vamping, um, yeah. you know, and, and it, it's like, oh, you're, you're buying a couple of pages because you don't know what comes next. And, mm. you know, this would have been the sort of thing that ideally had that writer had the time, they would have taken that bit out in a redraft, but because right. our industry moves so quickly, that is true. Yeah, you know, it, it, it happens that, Sometimes a script has to go out. Sometimes a script has to go out in pieces mm, um, yep. because it just has to happen that way because the train has to leave the station and it, you know, it is what it is. But <laughs> if you have the time to really execute your craft properly, mm -hmm. then, you know, then I think discipline is key. Right. Um, yeah. And then so taking it back to your question about um, the manga adaptations, I did that for a number of years, about 11,000 pages, I think. Um, <laughs> and so what it, <laughs> yeah, what it did was it, so, so my mandate there was to stay true to the original author's intent right. to write dialogue that flowed such that you weren't conscious of reading it in translation that you could just sort of forget that it was a translation because it wasn't choppy or awkward and you mm -hmm. could focus on the story and the characters and interestingly because you're adapting from Japanese which is a very spare language and oriented vertically mm -hmm. to English which can be a verbose language right. and <laughs> oriented horizontally, mm -hmm. um, you not only, in order to preserve as much of the balloon space and shape as possible, you not only need to get across character, voice, and intent in as few words as possible, but you also need to do it in as short a words as possible. Right, right, um, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's almost a Hemingway kind of exercise. Yeah. Like keep yeah, it simple and specific and distinct. Yeah. I, I think that's something I've been practicing a lot. And I, and I, I honestly think that um, that does work in a, somewhat in other mediums as well. So in, in, in comics, I, I learned, so I got a comic uh, writing tool called um, Superscript. Um, I was writing just in Word for a while um until i got superscript um which is pretty new i think it's like a couple of years old it's like it's the only like specifically for a comic yeah i've writing. never heard of it um yeah it's um it's a there's a i think it's just one guy who made it who coded it and made it it's, it's relatively simple but it does it makes your comic writing scripts way faster like it's it's okay. insane um, i use scribner 
Scrivener. Oh yeah, Scrivener's good. Yeah, I, I love Scrivener as well. Uh, I use Scrivener more for like uh, like novel writing and stuff like that. But I do like how the like organization of Scrivener is, is amazing. Um, absolutely mm-hmm. love it. But um, in the superscript, they give you a they give you a word count on your page your page word count and your panel word count. So when you have like page one and then mm-hmm. panel one, it tells you how many words is in specifically your dialogue, not your descriptions, just your dialogue right. on page on panel one. Um, and that has been such a crazy good guideline for me, like real, like being more conscious and aware of how many words are on my page or in a given panel. So right. it helps, it helps to kind of compress. Does it. it use the, the, the Alan Moore guidelines or what is it? What are the, uh, the. So it doesn't, so, so it doesn't use, it just tells you the, the raw number, right? So the, yeah. so after, after you, um, so it doesn't tell you what they recommended, how many words they recommend for you to okay. write. They just give you a raw number so you can. Like, you know, if you like, if you want to use the Alamore in your, in your, yourself, then you can say, okay, well, I'm only going to have, I can't remember what Alamore, was it 30, something like 30? Well, no, 30? it's, it's, uh, it, it varies, right? So this is the, mm-hmm. I'm 90% sure this is an Alamore thing, which is hilarious because he's <laughs> incredibly verbose in his yes. <laughs> script writing. Um, but, uh, so you start with, 210 is the number that a page, the maximum number that a page can hold. Right. And um, so if a panel has, uh, is, is the size of a sixth of the page, Mm -hmm. then you divide 210 by six to get the number, the maximum number of words that that panel can hold. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think it's a Warren Ellis tip that to, to use as a rule of thumb, 32 words per balloon and a maximum mm-hmm. of three balloons per panel. Per panel. Um, okay. Yeah. But you know, all of these rules of thumb are rules of thumb. You may break them as you see fit, but it's a good place to start to kind of know mm-hmm. You know, because because a balloon on the page carries visual weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if, if you have to use that much dialogue on the page <laughs> yeah. in a medium that's intended to be visual storytelling. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you blew it somewhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of like. Like, I think one of the things I, I, I try to tell myself, and again, I'm still learning the whole process. I mean, I'm, I'm very new in the comic world, but like one of the things I tell myself all the time is like, okay, well, when, what way can I tell the reader what's going on using just the art first, Yeah, you know, and then figure out, okay, well, what, what words will support this image, you yes. know, I, and add to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. tell me what I'm looking at. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I said, I read it in a, so words for pictures by bendis comic yeah. writing book uh i read oh, one of the practices i'm sorry at the end at the end he has a practice thing where they like he says uh take just comic pages with no words on it and then apply mm-hmm. dialogue to them um and um and then the other part was to reverse engineer comic pages and write the... that's my husband's that's matt's oh yeah. it's matt oh okay cool so all right so matt fraction <laughs> said to uh reverse engineer or maybe they're yeah. both yeah yeah. Well, I think Matt did it. <laughs> it's, it's it's definitely it's from Brian's book, but that's that. that but he, but it was his thing. Yeah, that would be a Matt thing. Unless, Got it. 
Unless Brian also came up with that independent. Honestly, no, honestly, it probably was because there yeah. are several parts of that book. It, yeah, <laughs> and it, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, we're, we're very good friends. We wouldn't be fighting about it. You know what I mean? Right, it's, right. Um, uh, but, but yeah, that's a, that's a, a mat teaching tool is to mm-hmm. take, um, take a story and then try to reverse engineer the script that would have produced that comic. The right. other thing to do is uh, take one story and write it for three different artists. Oh, um, so that's pretty cool. if you're writing with the exact same scripting style mm-hmm. for three artists with different art styles from our philosophy, anyway, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That you, you part of the job of the writer in this particular model that we work in is to write to the strengths uh and the style of the of your partner right yeah yeah i think i think that makes sense um because i i i never thought so so me again being early (laughs) in Mm -hmm. in the right i i barely when i'm writing a script i barely ever know who well actually that's starting to change a little bit now maybe that's starting to change a little bit like as i get further on i'm starting to know like who i'm going to be working with but uh but before and still sometimes I don't know who who was going to That happens. Yeah. You you know you'll you'll be assigned to write a script before you know who the artist is and mm-hmm. when when you're new you can't really pitch a fit about that. Right. <laughs> um but I hate it. I loathe it. <laughs> I I will I I'm and I have earned my ability to pitch a fit about it. Mm-hmm. Um because it's it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, a, and a comic script is very personal. It's epistolary. It's a letter to the artist. Mm-hmm. You're telling the artist a story that they will then tell the reader. And it's very personal. It's, it's not like, okay, so there's a hierarchy of formality in mm-hmm. scripting. Okay. The most formal script you could possibly write is a theatrical script. Mm-hmm. And that is because a theatrical script is meant to be read by, you know, perhaps hundreds, perhaps hundreds of thousands. If you are Shakespeare, mm-hmm. you know, probably you're not, but you might be. Who knows? Right. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, your millions of people have read Shakespeare. Um, right. Billions even, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> those those scripts are going to be produced over time by a number of different companies Mm -hmm. and they need to be open to interpretation. And so you don't direct from the page at all. You only put the most absolutely necessary stage directions on a a theatrical script is almost entirely dialogue. Right. Yeah. Then moving down from there, is a feature script, a film script. Mm -hmm. It's going to be produced once and it's going to be read by a few hundred people who are all involved in that one production. Mm -hmm. And the primary artist is not the writer, but the director. Mm -hmm. And if you're directing from the page, you're sort of overstepping. Um, And so... Again, you want there to be a freedom for their interpretation and vision. Um, And so you don't call shots in a feature script. Um, You know, it's not as much 
just a dialogue. It, it, uh, uh, you're not constrained to just dialogue quite the way you are in a theatrical script, but mm-hmm. it, it's nonetheless right, spare. Right. Then you're moving into a television script. Mm-hmm. Television is produced very quickly. Um, <laughs> it's a smaller team than produces a feature film. Um, it's the same people working together largely week to week. The primary artist in television, interestingly, is not usually the director because in television, the director tends to change week right. to week mm-hmm. because it has to be produced so quickly. So the primary artist is, is um, the person that we tend to refer to as um, the showrunner. And the showrunner may also, most often is also a writer. Um, and so television scripts are slightly less, less formal. There's a certain amount of direction from the page that's tolerated. Um, there's a certain amount of shorthand that is tolerated because it's, these are people who are familiar with one another, who are, you know, again, working together sometimes for years. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, from television, you move down to us. And mm-hmm. comics are the lowest on the ladder of <laughs> formality and scripting. Right, okay? right. Yeah. We don't even have, you know, like if you turn in a, a feature script that wasn't produced in final draft or doesn't yep. at least adhere to all of the final draft formatting structures, right. um, no one will take you seriously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There are as many different comic script formats as there are comic script writers. Yeah. You know, everyone writes differently. Um, I don't number my dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, there's, there's some people put their, their dialogue flush left. Some I center mine, like it's, you know, Ed Brubaker writes on green pages, you know, it's like um, it it varies Mm -hmm. wildly. It's extremely informal because it's going to be read by five people. Yeah. It's going to be produced once. And unless it happens to the book ends up being wildly successful and they decide to run the script at some point in the back of something, (laughs) you know, it's going to be read by the editor, the penciler, the inker, the colorist and the letterer. Yep. Yep. Period. And, um, and so there's a lot of freedom, a lot of, um, intimacy in that writing. Um, you know, I address the team by name in the writing, uh, of a script. I will try to, I will make little jokes in the script (laughs) to try to entertain the artist who, because I know they're going to be laboring over those pages Mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a, it's a very, very different thing from the scripts at the top of that list. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that breakdown because like I, so first of all, I didn't even know of the distinction between like the feature, like the theatrical feature film and TV. I mm-hmm. thought that those were all super formal, you know, like no matter what at every level, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I did know, of course, working on comics, I, I didn't know that, okay, comics are, yeah, I, like I do talk very informal in a yeah. comic script. I, sometimes in, in a script, I'll say, hey, do this if you want. If not, just do this, whatever you want to do. And like sometimes right, I'll put yeah. something like that, you know. Um, However many you feel like drawing, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of a thing, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I do like that. That's really cool to get like um, all of those distinctions, and hopefully that does help out like people who are looking at because I've never written a screenplay of any sort. Well, now if you <clears throat> if you're new, you want to err on the side of formality, right? right so yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, if you're writing a spec television script, mm-hmm. formal, don't right. direct from the page. Right. But if you are in a room working on a show, or if you are the showrunner on a show that is mm-hmm. week to week, there is a certain amount of informality that sneaks into television because of the pace of production and the fact that it's the same team working together week after week. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a little bit more of a, you know, there's a rapport already there. Yeah, you know, again, you, exactly. like you said some people have been working for years. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to kind of get a like a like an inside look at that because I've never, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't know where my writing will take me. I don't know if I will end up in a writer's room for TV or something one day, but it's it's cool to kind of have that you know, kind of have that image and that, you know, that context. I really like that. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, and in comics too, people like to, you know, they like to try to draw parallels with Mm -hmm. other mediums and, you know, like, you know, the artist is like the cinematographer or the, you know, like, and then like, (laughs) it doesn't work. Right, right. It doesn't work. Um, You know, the, the, the artist is, the director, the cinematographer, and the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, the writer is the writer and the director. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, there's there's some overlap. There's there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. And ideally, when you do it right, there is this third channel of authorship mm-hmm. so that the piece, you know, this is this is why. Pretty Deadly, the book that I do with Emma Rios yep. is very different from Bitch Planet. The book that I do with Valentine Delandro is very different from Captain Marvel with David Lopez is very different from Historia with Phil Jimenez is because there's a third channel of authorship that isn't, it isn't me, it isn't Emma. It's mm. me and Emma. It isn't me, right. it isn't Phil, it's me and Phil, right? Like right, there's yeah. this other thing um yeah it's like it's almost like you know like you're, you're, you guys are coming together to create something and you're like birthing something new like just uh, totally just, like, oh we, just, we yeah. use that exact <laughs> metaphor and right. the, the other thing that's that's kind of interesting about that is there's a fun parallel with the fact that the way you read comics is also a third channel right you're taking in still pictures and written words but the comic in your head is a moving picture with sound right yeah none of that exists in reality right um it's this third channel that you as a reader actually bring to it so that that Mm -hmm. comics happen entirely in your brain yeah, yeah, and I, I I really like that. Like, um, reading reading books like uh, Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. Um, mm-hmm. but that's one of the first books I really when I when I first I even had the idea. My friend who's an editor, um, in a big comic head, he was like, "Read this book." Yeah. <laughs> so I I read it, and uh, he talks about a lot of that. Like, uh, he, when they break it down, he talks about like the gutter. Um, yeah. The page, in the page. Turn. That's where everything happens, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And you know, if you want to go deep, nerd, uh, uh mm-hmm. pick up uh Nick. Oh, I'm going to slaughter his last name, but I think it's <laughs> Susanus. It's a, mm. it's, it's Greek. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's Greek. 
Boy, I could be slaughtering <laughs> that as well. Anyway, the book is called Unflattening. Unflattening. Um, Got right down and <laughs> uh, yeah, that one's some 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 deep nerd comics theory stuff. It's really fantastic. Unflattening. All right. Yeah. Sorry, there's typing in the background. No. <laughs> so it All sounds right. like a good sound effect for a writing podcast. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I actually use that early, like in my early episodes where it's just me talking about writing stuff or every once in a while I'll do one. It's just me talking about something really quick and I got a little typing sound effect. Here but anyways, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, okay. So this is like, that's like super good insight, like on, on all levels from, from, from different media um like I, I know people are going to find like major value in that so i definitely appreciate you uh breaking that down um mm-hmm. and then again i'm like I, I love just like nerding out about like oh well, what does it look like in the room what is it what does the relationship look like and it's good to, to cast a light on it because that's like that's why i do this writing podcast specifically to talk about these things because i mean it's great to talk about the stories themselves i mean i, I we love the yeah. stories but like when people want to create they're like but how though like how like yeah, what does yeah. it look like <laughs> you know no like, and you- it's yeah it's so and no one can give you god i wanted that when i was starting out i wanted it so badly i wanted the mm-hmm. like someone break this down into steps for me you yeah. know, what's the, what's the one, two, three of this. Mm-hmm. It's always different. It doesn't quite work that way. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, the one, two, three, as near as I can come up with is, uh, you know, you have to begin by being willing Do we curse on this podcast. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, you, you, you need to be willing to fuck up. You need to be yeah. willing to make garbage mm-hmm. um, because that is a necessary part of yeah, I, this I, I, I learning process. All the time. Like, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and look, there's this there's this misunderstanding that people have where they think mm-hmm. that the idea is the hard part. You know, like that's the, the, the classic. Question, oh, right? yeah. Like, where yeah. do your ideas come from? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I ideas are shit. Ideas mm-hmm. are easy. You have so many ideas every day. You just haven't practiced recognizing them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll get better at ideas. I, the, the, thing, the thing that is actually in limited supply is mm. time and courage. Right. So those are the things that you really need to protect and foster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as somebody who has small children, you know <laughs> how hard it is to have writing time. Right. It yeah. <laughs> absolutely. The, the most difficult thing at that time in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and encourage because it takes courage to suck. Yeah. And it's, it, it's necessary. <laughs> oh, and it no one wants sometimes. to go through it. Yeah. No one wants to go through it. But here's the thing. So, uh, and I'm repeating myself. I've told this story before. So if you've, if you've ever taken a class with me, or if I've been a guest lecturer in one of your classes, this is repetition, but it's repetition <laughs> because I, be- I believe it mm-hmm. deeply in my soul. You have an idea and you think that that idea is perfect yeah. because that idea exists in your head. And just like anything that's really close to your eyes, you can't see it well enough to see the problems. <laughs> so you're too close to it. Mm-hmm. So you have to take it out of your head and you have to put it on the page. And now it's about a foot away from your face. Mm-hmm. Now you have some perspective and now you can see that your precious baby angel idea kind of sucks. <laughs> and this is painful, mm-hmm. right? 
most people stop right here. Okay. So you have to work on cultivating the time and courage to get to the next step. And the next step is working on that idea. The next step is writing and revising and getting stuck and going for a walk and reading and Mm -hmm thinking that you're a failure and a fraud and rocking back and forth and hugging your knees and considering, (laughs) you know, maybe going back to waiting tables. And, you know, I mean, like Mm -hmm. that's the hard part, not the ideas. Um, And then once you've revised your work the first few times, it's still not as good as you want it to be because Mm -hmm. you don't have all the tools and you can't work on everything at once. And that also sucks. But you know what? At that point, you're a writer. Yeah. Yeah. And if you die with a shitty book, you are (laughs) still a writer. Right. (laughs) But if you die with that perfect idea in your head, you're a dreamer. Yeah. Yeah. And it is lovely to be a dreamer in the john lennon song sort of way <laughs> but if you actually want to be a writer that's mm. not going to cut it yeah the idea isn't enough yeah i i, I fully agree with that I, I i've heard people say uh like I've, I've heard people i've seen people look at my stuff and go oh that's cool but i could have wrote that <laughs> um and- but she didn't. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you know, I'm I'm very like, you know, like quiet about that kind of thing. But yeah, in my head, I'm saying, but you didn't though, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 I've heard, I mean, not just myself, I've heard I've heard people say that about other things, you know, like looking at movies and going, ah, it was kind of simple. I could have done that. And yeah. it's like, but you did it's a movie. You didn't go through the whole yeah. process of creating this movie. Well, uh, you, you know, know, and the 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 we live in the world of comment threads, you know? So. Yeah. 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 But no, no, I, I, I really, I really like that breakdown. Um, Like, like really, like I, I always say one of my favorite things that I, I say often is writing isn't even writing for me to me. It's like, okay, I'm writing. Yeah, sure. But writing is like editing, right? Mm-hmm. Because at some point in the editing stage is when, and it's when I, when I say edits, I don't mean fixing grammar and stuff. I mean, like, pretty much rewriting your story into something that's better um because yeah you got to get a foundation and and every single time i write something new i i get that feeling like oh man it's kind of garbage you know (laughs) but then like i but i know i'm like just keep doing it just keep doing it because first of all when i have the first draft and i step away from it for a little while and i Uh come back like i I have my writer's brain open i call it my writer's brain where my mind is on that project and i'm kind of absorbing things from around the world you know and something hits me at some point like everything when you're when your writer brain is on is like a possible thing right Right. um maybe i mean not not everything but it's you keep your mind open though um and and then so when i when i when i when i go back and i'm doing those edits things are more clear because now you're not working with a blank page you're working with uh you got you have a thing rewriting is 9,000 times easier than writing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. And I, and I love that. I love that stage because now yes. I feel like, oh man, I have something to work with, you know? Yes. Um, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's, we're gonna, I'm gonna pivot again real quick to one one other small thing and then uh, we can get ready to wrap it up. I know we're like, we're like, I don't know how long we're going. I, I don't see the, I don't see the time here, but. Yeah, uh, well, it sucks because I, um because I was late in joining you because my other call went long. We don't, I don't know exactly what time we started. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly which time. 
All right. So, so I, I, I really want to hit on this, on this idea. Cause I, I, I love this concept of like, uh, you know, uh, people, I often talk with people and they're worried about, Oh, if my story idea has been done. Um, and I'm like, every story idea has been done. Right. Um, yeah. like, like, it's just, it's not, you know, but I, I think what makes your story different is like, who's telling the story, what the tone is, who the characters are, what the perspective is, you know, wh- yes. like what angle what is are your you? truth? Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there you go. See, yeah. What is, what is your, that's something that Brian Hill said too, <laughs> when, yeah. uh, when he was on the podcast on an earlier episode, he was like, you're, when you're writing, you're discovering, you're, you're looking for your truth, you know? Yes. Uh, so I, I really like, I really like that concept. Um, uh, so I, I, I guess, like what I want to ask is like when it when it comes to like uh, again I, I mentioned earlier you have really strong themes and tone and messages in the story. Um, what's what's the best way to get across that message and that theme and make sure that you're telling your truth? Like is discipline. is there yeah the, yeah the discipline discipline yeah. So it's when you're in that early stage when you're in just getting it down on paper thing. Mm-hmm allow yourself a little leeway, allow yourself to be messy, allow yourself to write scenes that aren't going to make it in or dialogue. That's not going to make it in just so you can mm-hmm. get something down on the page. Right. right, right. Um, but as you're going, you're, you're, you're feeling around for what feels true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe very strongly in the role of the body in your work, thinking with your body. Um, And I think when you, you know, when you get stuck, when you're working, you need to get up and move. You need to go for a walk. You need to get outside. You need to move your body. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, your brain is an organ. Um, And I also think that when you are writing something that feels very true. I think your body reacts. Uh Um, And I think that um, uh, I think that you can feel a tightening in your chest or Uh a flush or goosebumps or Uh um, you know, that kind of thing that happens in your jaw when you might cry. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that that those are some of the cues that, you know, that you've gotten to something that feels like a hot spot to you. That's something that is a deep truth. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, the deep truths for me are usually questions, not answers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, it, it's it's almost a cliche for me to to say now that like if I had answers I would have gone into politics you know right. <laughs> public policy I don't have answers so I'm an artist I ask questions mm-hmm. um, and and I think that that's an important part of it so when you go through and you do your redrafts you have to have the discipline and the honesty to cut the things that though you might think they're clever or funny. Mm-hmm. They're not true. They're not doing anything that they, they need to do to, to be there. Sometimes you can tell when you're riffing. You can tell when you're stalling. <laughs> you can tell if you're bored, your reader's going to be bored. Yeah. Um, and the worst thing is you can tell when you're lying. You mm. know, 
Um, and that's kind of brings us back to the first thing that we were talking about, right? When you try to force a thing to happen on the page yeah. and, you, you know, the character doesn't really stop, you know, like the, like the t- character doesn't turn from the page, you know, <laughs> like, and, and say, no, I'm not going to date Frank, you know, but what yeah. happens is that scene is a slog, mm-hmm. you know, that scene feels forced and bullshitty and untrue <laughs> and, there's something about it that just that is wrong and you, right. you you intuitively know it. Right. And that's when you you have to figure out, all right, I, I got to go back somewhere. There's a problem mm-hmm. that's that's led me to this spot and I got to go figure out where I made the wrong turn and make the right turn. Right. You, you know, so, something I think about when you say this, I'm thinking about. So my, my, my mind is, is thinking about uh, Bitch Planet. Right. So that's. That so that book to me is 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 incredibly like, it's like one of those books it's, that I feel like people a lot of people would be scared to broach that topic. Yeah, um, I was scared shitless. <laughs> but like you went all the way in on it, and and and, and again that, that brings me a little bit to the what I, what I was talking about perspective. Um, yeah, and why it's like and, and so what, I'm not sure like where I'm, I'm looking for like this question that that revolves somewhere around like perspective. In truth, like I had a question, yeah. And then, like, okay, you well, truth, and right? let's <laughs> let, let's also like let's address the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, folks that are listening to this in a podcast can't see how white my face is, but you can probably <laughs> tell from my voice or my manner of speaking. Um, and Bitch Planet is a book that is largely a cast of women of color. And it deals very much with white supremacy uh, as much as it deals with um, gender discrimination and some other sort of things that get me labeled as a uh, (laughs) social justice warrior, which, by the way, sounds like a good thing to me. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I say that all the time. Like, I don't, I don't know how that's an insult because I'm like, yeah. don't you want to fight yeah. for social justice? Same, same, yes, but, um, um, yeah, anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I was fucking terrified mm. writing that book and I remain fucking terrified writing that book, but I had I had in my life, have in my life, the gift of my friend, Danielle Henderson, uh, whose, whose book, The Ugly Cry, you should all go out and purchase because it's an <laughs> excellent memoir writing. Uh, Danielle Henderson was the original um, editor on Bitch Planet. And Danielle called me out. You know, I was, I was comfortable comfortable is not right. I was brave enough to write uh, an overtly feminist book. Mm-hmm. I was very scared to broach the topic of race mm. um, because I didn't want to be that white lady talking about shit. I don't know because I didn't experience it. And Danielle called me out and challenged me that if I was going to do mm-hmm. a satire that was a prison book right. and I did not deal with the fact 
that women of color are incarcerated at three times the rate that white women are, that I was full of shit and a coward. You should have those people in your life. Mm-hmm. You should have people in your life who are willing to love you and call you a coward when you need to be called a coward. <laughs> um, and it remains a thing that, you know, terrifies me. And I, I, you know, my partner on the book is uh, a black man. And so I am a white woman and he is a black man. And we write a number of the characters the main characters in this book are all women of color. Now it's like the book is not entirely populated by people of color, but the main characters are all women Mm -hmm. of color and neither one of us occupies that space. And that's problematic and it incurs a debt and it is something that we have to talk about. It's something we have to acknowledge. It's something that we have a real responsibility to, I think, offset by then using our platform to elevate voices of women of color, Mm -hmm. to hire women of color when we did um, the back matter in all of those books. And when we did the, um, the bitch planet anthology, we gave hiring preference to women of color, because we felt like we had, there was something that needed to be offset here. And I don't think we want to live in a world where people only write from their first person lived experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and especially when there is still status differentials, right? So, you know, it's still the male led comics that are mm. the highest selling, most prestigious books to staff. So, right. if, you know, if if women are only allowed to write women, and mm-hmm. if men of color are only around allowed to write leads of color, right? Then right. Yep. Um, we're never going to challenge some of those ingrained and systematic power differentials and hiring practices and like who the, the, to this day, you know, you look at the lineups of the, the, the big hitters at comic conventions. And it is, it, even with, with all of the work that is actively being done by folks in these comic conventions to Mm -hmm. diversify this, it is still overwhelmingly white and male. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, you know, so we have to balance that we don't we don't want to live in a world of narcissists where we only ever look in mirrors and we only, you know, where 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 fiction is the greatest tool we have for seeing through the eyes of another human being. Right. You know, we we want to be able to to do that at the same time. White people have been writing the stories of people of color for a very long time. Uh, and, and, yeah. uh, and maybe that should not be the dominant voice there. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. uh, you know, and men have been writing the stories of women or contextualizing women for a very long time and so on right. and so forth. And so this becomes very complicated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, you, you, you have things that are, I don't know if I would have, if, if Bitch Planet didn't already exist, I don't know if I mm. would have started it today. Mm. 
you know, which is yeah. its own kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, so I'm, I'm glad you, you did start it though. And, and I, I am glad that the, most of the women, all the main characters are women of color in the book, because like, like, so first of all, this is what, so when, we, when I ask about perspective, like that, mm-hmm. like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. So Danielle, the editor, Danielle, is that? Danielle Henderson, yes. Danielle, so Danielle, the editor, came in and she and she challenged that. Um, that's what I mean by perspective, because she has the perspective to say, hey, overwhelming numbers. Um, yes. This, this, is, this is reality that needs to be, uh, you know, an important part of this book. Um, and um, I think we need to, we are moving, hopefully, we will move more to where there's more, uh, you know, people of color, women, etc., et and these other demographics that are writing that are writing these books and writing yes. books that represent them. But at the same time, um, if a person who's white is writing these books, if I, I feel like um, just just the research, you know, like or yeah. having the editor like Danielle or, yes. or something, like like when I when I do books, I almost exclusively, honestly, even if my book doesn't have a like a main. Uh, protagonist or something that's a black woman. I I almost always still look for a black woman, uh, because there's a different perspective there. There's just things, even if it's not particularly directly yeah. in the culture of the character. There's just things that I don't see that they'll be yeah. like, that don't work. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. And and the more I realize that, I mean, and it's just, the perspective is just so important. I mean, different. Yes. Like I, I've been reading a lot of, um, I I, I specifically was have been seeking out books written by. Black, like fantasy books written by black women like N.K. Yeah. Jemisin I, I don't know how the world hasn't discovered N.K. Jemisin because she's like probably one of the best fantasy novels oh she's right, extraordinary right she's absolutely extraordinary yeah my- no I, I had the opportunity to be on a cruise with her oh, uh, nice. once or twice I don't know twice I think we've we've cruised together oh very nice yeah, yeah she's she's a good did you did you know that she and uh, W. Kamau Bell are cousins wow no i know i know i'm like what the fuck are they feeding those children in that family right because those are two extraordinary human beings right right that's 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 incredible but yeah just just that perspective is what i that that's why i i I just need to hear like i I either need to hear more from people with different backgrounds so we i can get images or we is all not me uh like the world can get images of their perspective or, or pieces of their perspective and then People, you know, like, okay, you're white, cool. Uh, if you're writing that that book, the fact that you, all, all I ask is that you do the work, and you do. And, and when we remember yeah. the work is like, you know, yes. you talk to those people, you, you you understand, and yes, and you're willing to be wrong, and you're willing to be educated, and you're willing right. to be corrected. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then you also, there's more though as well. Uh, you know, I think you then you also have to make sure that you are doing your part to elevate the stories that are being told by the people who have those lived experiences. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so I'm not like competing with a book like concrete park. That's a book I need to elevate (laughs) and, you know, like, oh, if you like Bitch Planet, you're gonna love this. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, right, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I highly agree. I mean, that's that's my thing. That, that that's my thing. I, I just believe perspective is so important. I, 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 I don't like when people say, oh, well, this book is just a, I don't know what they say, identity politics or something. I'm like, it's not identity 
politics if you're just because a black person's in the book. Like, I don't. Oh, that's <laughs> white. That's white folks that don't want to be uncomfortable. <laughs> that's yeah. look, I, you know, I'm sorry that that happens. That's that's. Yeah. Those like are that. people who are very afraid and they, they have, they liked it when they didn't have to think about those things, when they right. thought of that, when, when they were allowed to see themselves as default human beings, right. Mm-hmm. As though it's all an incredibly level meritocracy <laughs> playing field. And, mm-hmm. you know, the libertarian argument falls apart is simply like as you have to take your goods to market on public roads. You know, um, people need to have access to utilities in order to have electricity and e- like this this notion that mm. you did it all by yourself yeah. is some garbage nonsense. <laughs> um, so. And if you are such a fearful coward that you can't be uncomfortable enough to understand that you have had advantages, mm-hmm. even if your life sucks. Right. right? Yep. Yep. Um, uh, and that doesn't mean you're bad. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't mean shit about you. Mm-hmm. It does. It Like, it's not. Oh, good God. Anyway, I'm I'm ranting now. No, but... I mean, but that, that makes I mean, honestly, the, the things you're the things you're saying, like, like that's me, like all the time. I'm just yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not calling you out, whoever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not calling. So, anyways, uh, so the point about perspective and stuff. No, I, I appreciate I I, I do I, I want more people of color, uh uh women, other demographics in general, um, to to write more stories and get their stories out. Um, but when white people write write these stories, and as long as they do the work, I I I, I appreciate that too. You know, like yeah. you know, I, if I didn't know who Kelly Sue was before reading Bitch Planet, reading Bitch Planet, I mean, the characters seem pretty accurate to me. <laughs> you know, uh, they seem they like I, I don't I don't feel like oh a, a black person wouldn't say that or act like yeah. that. You know, um, and and that's you know like that's the kind of thing that I just need to, I just need that that accuracy you know what i mean yeah. um so anyways uh yeah <laughs> perspective is important and and like like, like kelly sue said like to, to to get there is discipline you know yeah. you gotta you gotta do the work it's get there in writing in general you know right you, no, you gotta do the work courage and discipline right like you get like it's and and the, the courage is comes from in play here into like humbling yourself and mm-hmm. and and having the like you know the awkward hey well, can I ask you to read this for me? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and and mm-hmm. do it in such a way that they, that the person that's doing you that kindness mm-hmm. feels like they can be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's the that's the big thing. Please be honest, uh, yeah. especially when I'm like, I mean, I again, I very commonly, even when it's not a particularly woman driven book or there's not a in that scene there's not a particular like i'm always asking women because for some some reason they just have a better perspective than i do on whatever the situation is in the book uh and, and I, I just i just like to ask people they have a different perspective to me it's just a different lens on yeah. whatever it is you know it's a good idea yeah so um but yeah so that being said um we're, we're gonna wrap up in a moment here uh we're going on for a good while i mean all of it good stuff uh, I, I definitely appreciate it um before we roll out i do want to ask if you have any like anything that you would like any additional advice or or words of wisdom or anything that you want to tell uh writers aspiring writers or what have you yeah um you don't have to do this you know you don't have to be a writer it's mm-hmm. if you if it is overwhelming to you to 
do these things to like find the place uh, uh, to be vulnerable and honest and quiet with yourself to make this happen, then don't do it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. If you do want to do this, shit or get off the pot. <laughs> like start now yeah. because let me tell you, I am 51 years old and getting older is like living in a time machine that starts moving faster and faster and faster. Mm. Um, and it's like, it's, it's real. It's actually math. It's just relativity. Right. right. So yeah. when, when, when you are eight years old, one year is an eighth of your life. And so a <laughs> summer feels like an eternity. Right. Right. And, um, oh my gosh, waiting until Christmas is like, <laughs> it's a million years between Christmases. And the older you get, the more each of those measures of time become a smaller and smaller part of the time that you have lived. And so it feels like it goes faster and faster every day. Mm. You will never have more time than you have right now. Don't wait for it to come, figure it out. Mm. Um, You have to start now because you have to put the hours in, you know, it just, you're not, you don't get to shortcut to the good books. You have to write the shitty books first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think, I think the, I think that's a, a hard pill for a lot of people to follow your yeah. first book. Well, you know what? And if it is, your, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's okay. You don't have to be a writer. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I, I tell people, I mean, a lot of, a lot of folks, they're like, Oh, I got the perfect idea. And I, whenever somebody tells me that their first idea, oh, it's so good. It's going to be the, the best-selling mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every once in a while, <laughs> every once in a while, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you got to do the. You got to put it a foot in front of you. You know, um, but, but like even, but like, like Robert Jones Jr.'s first novel, The Prophets, is mm-hmm. extraordinarily good and very successful. Yeah. yeah, it's his first novel. It's not the first thing he's written. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's not the first time he thought about the practice of writing. Mm-hmm. you know yeah I, I think that's important to think about so like, like like you said like start now like yeah just you know just just get on it um but yeah so if you have anything do you have any um well i want you to tell people where they can find you at like online or uh yeah yeah uh, and then also any 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 work you want to tell them about that you're working on sure um yeah you can find me on Twitter at Kelly Sue, K-E-L-L-Y-S-U-E, or on Instagram at Kelly Sue D, K-E-L-L-Y-S-U-E-D, the letter D. Um, but also, I I don't, you know, I'm not that clever. You don't need to find me on the social media. It's fine. <laughs> um, mostly I post pictures of my dogs in my house. I don't post a lot of pictures of my writing because pictures of writing is not very interesting. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then uh, what was the other question? Oh, things I have coming up. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, final order cutoff for Historia book two is March 6th. If you don't know what final order cutoff means, I love you. Bless your heart. Um <laughs> Uh, then the important thing for you to know is that uh, the book will be on shelves April 5th 
And Mm -hmm. that is the second installment of the history of the Amazons told from the perspective of the Amazons in uh, the DC Black Label series. Mm -hmm. It is probably the most beautiful book I've ever been associated with. It's the work of Phil Jimenez's career, and I'm very proud of it. Um, The second book is by... Uh, myself and Jean Ha. It is also extraordinary. And then wow. um, in the summer, we'll be following that up with myself and um, Nicholas Scott. And wow. uh, yeah, really, really, really proud of this book. I hope you'll check it out. And if you don't have a local comic shop, you can uh, Google up books with pictures, Eugene, Oregon, and they will be happy to set you up with mail order. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. And of course, um, I'm the host, John Robinson, the fourth, uh, you can find this podcast at uh, fourthwall.net. That's I V W A L L.net. Um, or just search beyond the fourth wall on Google or any major podcast host, and it'll be there. Um, again, thanks a lot, Kelly, for coming on and, uh, I appreciate it. <laughs>